Well, it has been quite a week, church, as is the case after every presidential election. Uh, there are those who are rejoicing and partying, those who are mourning, and those who are somewhere in between who don't know what to do or what to think. It seems like that happens every four years. Uh, but as is the case following every presidential election, might we as the church be reminded and remember that our God the one true living God whom we serve is sovereignly in control of all things. Might we as the church, as the body of Christ, be refreshed in our calling to be his ambassadors? Might we, as the bride of Christ, be reminded why we are here and of the responsibility and privilege that our God has given to each one of us to let our light shine before men that they may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven? Might we be reminded that he must increase and we must decrease. Might we be reminded again today to live with hope and joy that has its foundation not in anyone or anything other than our Lord Jesus Christ. And might we always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us because of our risen Savior. I felt it appropriate as we began this morning to let you know as a church, as one of your pastors, I am praying for you uh, that you and I together as the body of Christ would be faithful, that what we say, what we do, would now, as always, honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I thought it was appropriate to read these verses and just following after any election cycle, following after any presidential election cycle, it is good to be reminded. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his he changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. We praise, we worship, we trust, we follow the name of our God. We praise and trust and follow the one who is sovereignly in control. And that has not changed today any different than it was yesterday, and that will be the same tomorrow. And so let's look to the Lord in prayer as we open his word this morning. Father, we are grateful and thankful to know today with certainty you alone are God. God, we have sung about this morning so many truths, Lord, that you are in control, that you are sovereignly in control of our lives. You're sovereignly in control of this nation, Lord, ultimately the world. You are in control. There's no one like you. And what a great reminder for us this morning. What great hope and joy and rejoicing we can have in that knowledge that you alone are God. That no one commands or tells you anything. That you have all power and all authority. That you, Lord, are always at all times working things out according to your will. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us as the body of Christ here, the, the church, not only here at Maranatha Bible Church, but around this nation and around the world, to be faithfully representing Christ, that the words that we speak and the actions that we take, that the attitudes and intentions of our hearts and our minds would be pleasing in your sight, God. We confess today, we declare today that 
You are the one that changes times and seasons. You are the one that sets up and takes down rulers. You are the one that gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. We confess that today, Lord, and we trust you and we give everything to you today that we as your ambassadors and representatives would faithfully glorify Christ. We ask that you would open our eyes now to your word, that we would have insight into it, that the Spirit of God would take the word of God, that we would be changed because of it, and that we would go from here honoring and praising you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're continuing in our series in Proverbs that we have entitled Timeless Wisdom. Timeless Wisdom. As we've been looking at each week, we've been seeing that the book of Proverbs offers wisdom for us today in our living Uh, Such great truths that we find in the book of Proverbs that remain so relevant and important for us. And we've looked at maybe some things to this point that have been helpful. But today we come to an issue that many of you won't be too thrilled to hear we're covering. And that is the issue of anger. (laughs) I had someone tell me that found out that this is what we were covering. Uh, You might not see me in church when you're covering that issue. The person was joking. I hope I'm going to try to find them later to make sure that that was the case. But a lot of times when we think about this area of anger, we kind of want to shy back or think, oh, I don't think I want to be there for that one. Because so often anger is something that we are all too familiar with. And, and really anger sometimes can be that which controls us or that which ruins us when we think about life and living. I wonder what comes to your mind when you think of anger. Uh, Pastor Eric Gill, who's going to be preaching this morning in our uh, 65 and older service and in the Family Life Center service, came around to the office this past week and was asking everyone, what are the top five things that make you angry? And I had to think on that for a minute. And I listed some of those things here. Traffic. (laughs) When my food order gets messed up. (laughs) Sports. When I want to prove myself right and I'm not, injustices, things that get me angry. Wonder has that ever made your list? Any of those things made your list? You're driving in traffic and the light turns green. And even though they can't hear you, you yell out in anger, go! <laughs> right? <laughs> get, a, get a driver's license. That when you're sitting and, and, you know, the speed limit's 35 and people are going 20. And you're like, the speed limit's 35. They can't hear you, but you yell it anyhow. <laughs> when someone's turning and they don't put a turn signal on and you yell out, nice turn signal. <laughs> when someone doesn't stop at a stop sign and just kind of pulls out in front of you. And you want to look and be like, what are you doing? Now, in all these examples, I could just chalk it up that all these times women just don't know how to drive. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Come on. But sometimes, yeah, ladies, don't get angry, all right? Hold your anger. It's easy, isn't it, just in a moment to just change our attitudes and change our minds just from the simplest of things. I remember shortly after everything was shut down from COVID and they started opening things back up, I was in a rush to get lunch and I went through a drive through to get lunch and I ordered a burger and fries. That's it, a burger and fries. 
And I got my order and I didn't check it and I wa- I'm driving away and there's no fries. Some of you are like, no, like you know. <laughs> but I'm driving away from there thinking like, how does someone not put, it just says burger and fries. And the thing that really frustrated me is you can't go in so you got to wait in the drive through line to go back through to get your fries. And I waited as a matter of principle. <laughs> and I get up to the, the window and I'm trying to be calm. And I'm just like, yeah, I didn't get my fries. I'm trying to be real calm. The person's like, oh. And they just hand it to me. No apology. No nothing. And I'm like, I'll never come back to this place again. And I have. I've gone back. I've gone back. <laughs> or if a sports game is on TV... Maybe you've seen your husband or ladies, maybe you've done this where you're yelling at the screen and you're like, they can't hear you. You know, (laughs) but we respond so oftentimes in anger. You know, we don't have time today to do an exhaustive study on anger and the word anger and look at every single time anger shows up in the scriptures and look at every avenue or every angle when it comes to dealing with anger and understanding anger. We don't have time to do that today, but what we want to do is look at the book of Proverbs and see some helpful truths that we see in the book of Proverbs. We read throughout the scriptures and we can see that God is angry with the wicked. That's something that the word of God tells us, that God is angry with the wicked. If we read in Matthew 21 about Jesus in Matthew 21, let me read this to you. Matthew 21 verse 12 says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Now the passage doesn't say Jesus was angry, but it tells us what Jesus did as he saw them turning the temple, turning what should be a house of worship into what he calls a den of robbers. It says he went in and he drove out those that were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and benches of those selling doves. Jesus went in and cleared it out. That is not something that you do timidly or something that you do. You're like, hey, guys, if if you wouldn't mind, could you kind of just move out of here? I don't really want that happening here. I mean, if you've ever tried to do that with any group of people to get their attention when it's loud and and things are happening and there's people everywhere, you don't get people's attention by whispering or by being timid or by being very meek in that moment. No, there was a boldness here. It says that Jesus went in and drove them out. Now, I want you to know what is so great to me in the next, very next verse, verse 14, after this happens, it says, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Whatever Jesus did in that temple in driving them out when he was angry, I believe, with the wickedness that was going on, it was not anything that ultimately kept people from coming to him. Because it says the lame came to him, the blind came to him at the temple and he healed them. But Jesus, I believe very clearly in this instance, demonstrated what would be considered righteous anger at the evil that was going on in the temple here. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. So it would seem to be very clear biblically that whereas not all anger is sinful anger, Certainly there are great warnings about sinful anger in the word of God. And that's what we want to kind of focus in on today. That's what we want to kind of look at today. 
For our time and purpose this morning, we want to focus on the anger that would fall into the category of sinful anger or anger that should not be present and that should not be consuming the believer in Jesus Christ. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, it says this, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Let me read that again. Process that again for a moment, what that says. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and who, he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So often, wrongly, people oftentimes associate anger or those that get angry or those that are loud or those that respond and fly off the handle as those that maybe are the strong or the mighty or have something they need to be heard for. And yet Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 16, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. That's incredible. That's incredible. That the one who has a slowness to anger and is self-controlled is stronger, is mightier than the one that could even command armies to take over cities. It's incredible to consider this. So this morning I want to make this overarching point that I feel is very valuable for us to consider. God's desire for his children is that we are slow to anger and self-controlled in all that we do. Read that with me. Read that out loud with me here. God's desire for his children is that we are slow to anger and self-controlled in all we do. Now, if we were to stop right there, close in prayer, go work on that this week. I think we all have enough. I do not believe anyone would dare stand up right now and say, I got it. I do it. I'm good. That we are, as God's children, slow to anger and self-controlled in all that we do. And yet that passage that we just looked at in Proverbs 16.32 makes very clear the necessity of being slow to anger and self-controlled. Not just in our anger, right? But in our reactions, in our words, in our actions, in the way that we respond to the day-to-day situations that come up in our lives. The reality is this. Anger so often flares up out of a selfish or prideful desire on our part. Anger so often flares up out of selfish or prideful desires, out of an expectancy or entitlement for self, or out of a hatred or callousness and carelessness to others. Let me say that again. Think on this. The reality is that anger so often flares up out of selfish or prideful desires and out of an expectancy or entitlement for self. Or out of a hatred, a callousness, and carelessness towards others. See, the word of God makes very clear the responsibility of the believer in Christ to esteem others better than ourselves. To look not at our own interests, but the interests of others. To love even our enemies. To do good to those that would hurt us, harm us, and use us. And yet, think about the times that we tend to get angry. And are they not those times... When things don't happen the way we thought they should happen, or someone doesn't do what we thought they should have done, or when something in our eyes is not fair and needs to be done a different way, or when we feel wronged, or when we feel we are right, but we're not seen as right, when we want to get our point across, anger sets in. And so often it is rooted in that prideful arrogance, a self-exaltation, an expectation that things should be the way that we want them 
every time. And that when that doesn't happen, people are going to know about it. We need to recognize this morning that God's desire for his children is that we are slow to anger and self-controlled in all that we do. It is not a light matter for you and I to be called children of God. It is not a light matter for you and I to be called the representatives of Jesus to this world. It is not a light matter that we are called to be imitators of God as dear children. If we imitate our God, we will not have selfish, unrighteous, sinful anger in our lives. That is a sin that needs to be confessed. And that is something that we have to take seriously. And so this morning, what I'd like to do is I'd like to begin uh, by sharing four realities regarding anger. Now, when I share these realities regarding anger, please understand that when I say the word anger, I'm referencing anger that is sinful and that is displeasing to the Lord. We've already talked about that the Bible seems to be clear that there is a time for righteous anger or that there is righteous anger. Anger. There is a time that God is angry with the wicked, where Christ, I believe, demonstrated righteous anger, and that's seen. And I believe that, that as believers in Christ, there are things that are unrighteous things that should anger us as believers. But we're reminded again, be angry and do not sin. In your anger, don't sin. But today, I want to focus in on four realities regarding anger that is displeasing to God or that is sinful. Four realities regarding anger that should not be present in our lives. A- uh, reality number one, anger stirs up conflict. Anger stirs up conflict. You and I as believers in Christ are told as much as possible to be at peace with all men. And yet, do we not clearly see and know that anger stirs up conflict? Proverbs 15, 18 says, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. My youngest daughter, Leah, is in this mode right now. She's three years old, and she's in this mode where she wants to always... Uh, race in the house. She wants to always race her sisters. And so she's, she'll be in a room where she'll be on, she has this little car that she rides on in the house and where she'll want to just race from one room to the next. At night when it's time for bed, she wants to race mom. And so she has me carry her and we run up the steps and get to her. And she wants to win the race going up to her bedroom. Well, she always wants to race her sisters. And not only does she want to race, but she wants to win every time. And so she's getting a really hard life lesson taught to her in our house that she's not always going to win. And what's interesting, though, is how she responds because my three daughters all respond differently to Leah. One daughter responds to Leah by letting her win every single time that they race because she wants Leah just to win, loves it, wants her to be happy. One kind of doesn't care. It's kind of like whoever wins was, I don't really care. And most of the time she lets Leah win. But then I have one daughter who never lets her win. She never lets her win. She takes after her father in this regard, but she never lets her win. And it's quite humorous to see that the personalities come out here. But when my one daughter is racing her and she lets race, she'll beat her like every time. And Leah just loses it when she loses. She's like, I'm supposed to win is what she says. And so I come over and I'm like, honey, you're not always going to win. I let her know. I mean, I let her know it's a, it's a life lesson, right? She needs to learn that she's not always going to win. But When that happens, when she doesn't win, she just pouts a little bit and she kind of goes off and you can tell she's mad and sometimes she'll even, she'll do this and she'll have her face like this and she'll just look at everybody like this. 
and stand like that. And you know what happens? My, my one daughter that always lets her win comes over and be like, hey, let's race, Leah. And they race and then Leah wins and then everything's golden again. <laughs> because my other daughter raises her and she wins. And we talk to Leah and we let Leah know, honey, you're not always going to win and you can't respond that way. But my one daughter, it's not that she's angry, but when she beats her, there's strife that's stirred up. Why? Because not my other daughter did anything wrong, but Leah gets angry and her countenance falls. And when her countenance falls and she's angry or she's, she's upset or whatever, it, it affects the other kids because she's angry. Now she's three. How about as adults when we do that? Maybe it's not like racing through the house. But when something doesn't go our way or something doesn't happen the way we wanted it to or when someone doesn't meet our expectations and we just get angry. You know what the word of God says? The word of God says here, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife. But he was slow to anger, quiets contention. That's what I think of my other daughter who comes in and swoops in and she's like, hey, let's race. And she lets, and then guess what? It's calmed. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 22 says, a man of wrath stirs up strife and one given to anger causes much transgression. Can I just share with you this morning, and I speak to myself in regards to this as well. If you and I as believers in Christ fall into the category of the one that stirs up strife, and causes much transgression, we are not following the Lord and honoring the Lord in the way that we should. If in the previous verse, can you go back to the previous verse real quick in Proverbs 15, 18, if we would fall into the category of the first person, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, and not he who is slow to anger, quiets contention, then some things need to change in our lives. Because the reality is anger stirs up conflict. We know this, we're familiar with this. We know this to be true in our families and in ways that I've just demonstrated. We know this to be true in our workplaces. We know this to be true in our friendships. Anger stirs up conflict. We all know this. If you have a family gathering, you probably know certain individuals in your family, maybe that have, like they get angry, they get hot pretty quick. And and when they come, everybody's kind of a little bit more on eggshells around them or everybody's gonna tone down the rhetoric around them because they don't wanna make that person angry and there's oftentimes people might even think man I wish they weren't here because I know how they respond when these conversations come up that should not be true of you and I as believers in Christ if the word of God tells us we must always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us if people aren't seeing that hope and that joy in Christ in us because it is just completely camouflaged by anger something needs to change in our lives as believers but anger stirs up conflict. We get this, we know this. And so can I encourage you this morning, if you are finding that your or my attitudes, reactions, words are guilty of stirring up conflict, are guilty of stirring up strife, are guilty of causing much transgression, maybe we need to look at this area of anger in our lives and say, God, I need your help. In addressing this, anger stirs up conflict. Secondly, anger is a characteristic of the fool. Now, I thought about, you know, stating this another way, but I didn't want to make people who get angry real quick, angry real quick. 
But the reality is anger is a characteristic of the fool. So it can be said that if you or I are regularly venting in anger or responding in anger, if we are responding to situations and circumstances in our lives, things that don't go our way, and we're responding by giving full vent to our anger, then guess what? We would be called a fool for doing that. Anger is a characteristic of the fool. Look at a couple of these verses. Proverbs 29, 11. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Don't miss this. A fool gives full vent to his spirit. Have you ever said or heard someone say, no, you're going to hear everything I have to say right now? Not good. <laughs> if that's the point you're at, then Proverbs 29, 11 needs to be memorized, Right? A fool gives full vent to his spirit. Listen, you or I, we may have a lot of good things to say, but not everything we have to say needs to be heard. It says a fool, a fool gives full vent to his spirit. A wise man quietly holds it back. I remember growing up in my family, my grandfather, my dad's dad, we called him Papa. I remember gathering an Italian family that is loud, and that is just loud, okay, just loud about everything. And everybody's very opinionated about everything. And so when we would have family gatherings or whatever, it was the greatest time. I remember as a kid, I loved it. And I loved, even as a, as a young kid, to kind of want to sit by the adult table to just kind of listen to the conversations going in. You know, I got to an age where I was no longer really interested in being with the kids. I wanted to kind of have my ear to the adult table and just listen to the adults interact. And I loved it when I would hear them telling stories and getting angry at things and yelling at each other and everything about it, it was so great. But I remember to this day, my grandfather, Papa, who, who would sit there and everybody would give their opinions and be yelling and, and angry about different things. Whatever was going on, you know, with the, with the union or whatever was going on with this or that. And everybody would be venting and everybody would be thinking, he'd just be sitting there quiet. And then someone would ask, well, Sam, his name was Sam. Sam, what do you think? And, and he just very calmly would give an answer. And everybody would just kind of quiet down, almost like, man, we really got to think about that. I think about that and think, man, a, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. What, a, what an example, like looking at that. And maybe you know people like that. Maybe you've been in situations like that where you have seen conflict arise. Or you have seen chaos, what seems like chaos in a, in a group or amongst people, amongst whatever it is. And everybody's at each other's throats and everybody's yelling and everybody wants to be right and everybody's venting. And then someone kind of calmly comes in and makes a statement or says something, and guess what follows is, is peace, is a calm. God would have his children be those that bring that sense of peace and calm, not those that foolishly give full vent to their spirits. And probably most of us, if we're honest, would have to evaluate and say we are one or the other. We're either the one that comes in and stirs it up or the one that calms it down. We're either the one that gives full vent to the spirit or that quietly holds it back. Anger is a characteristic of the fool. Proverbs 14, 29 says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. So not only does the Proverbs say that it's the fool that gives full vent to his anger, but... Not only that, but the one that's slow to anger, 
The one that is slow to anger has great understanding. So it would be the one who is not slow to anger does not have great understanding. And he that has a hasty temper exalts folly. Not only are we foolish when we are venting in our anger, but we are also exalting foolishness. So we could be called a fool and an exalter of foolishness. That's not good. (laughs) That's not good. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. I wonder if we, in our response day in and day out of either anger or peace or anger or patience or anger or self-control, had to have a label on our forehead of foolish or wise, How many of us on a day-in and day-out basis would just have that fool label every day because of our giving vent to our anger? Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. If you don't want to be a fool, don't give full vent to your anger. Quiet down. Speak to myself in this. Listen instead of speaking. For anger is a characteristic of the fool. You know, oftentimes anger causes us to act and react in ways that we otherwise would not. Have you ever seen a sporting event where one player or one part of the team gets angry about a call or gets angry about a hit or gets angry with the other team because they were mouthing off about something and then they have a penalty that costs their team greatly because they can't control themselves or their anger. They do foolish things. Sometimes bad things happen in our lives because of uncontrolled anger. Number three, anger leads to isolation from friends. Anger leads to isolation from friends. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Listen, if you find yourself in a position this morning where you ask yourself, why doesn't anybody want to be around me or associate with me? And as you look at your life and you recognize, man, I am an angry fool. The word of God tells us that we're not to make friendship with a man given to anger. Don't go with a wrathful man lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. It leads to isolation from friends. Proverbs 29, 22 says, A man of wrath stirs up strife and one given to anger causes much transgression. I want you to think about that because if you or I in our anger are causing much strife and you and I are given to anger causing much transgression, that has impact. That has impact on people we would otherwise associate with. That has impact on others. People don't want to be around us when we are angry in ways that are sinful, in ways that show that we are foolish. I want you to think about it if you're married in your relationship with your spouse. I think about with my wife and I. If my wife and I have an argument about something, and I'm angry about something, guess what? She doesn't want to talk to me. And normally what's going to end up happening is I'm going to have to come to grips with the fact of like, I probably was angry or I probably said something in an angry tone. I need to go apologize and ask her to forgive me. And, and she is more than ready and willing and able when I do that to be like, yes, like, welcome back to the family. <laughs> but there's no desire on the part of any individual to want to converse, be close to, and have intimate relationship with anyone who is a fool in their anger. Anger leads to isolation. And sometimes we understand this and sometimes we don't. You know, when I was in high school, I remember I had a teacher, uh, a science teacher who got angry real quick. 
like all the time. He had a short fuse. Now, some of us knew that, so we would try to actually get the fuse to be lit. <laughs> so, so we like, <laughs> we tried to make that happen. But then there were other days that we got wind that that particular day he was already angry. And I remember kids would come out from his class and be like, he's angry today. And we'd walk in and we'd be like, all right, nobody say anything today. Because if he's already at that level, we don't want to get it any higher. We always wanted to get it to that level for the next class. But we didn't want to come into it. But the reality was, even as a student, even as a high school student, there was this recognition of like, man, I don't want to be in that classroom with that teacher when he is given vent to his anger. Why? Because anger, anger stirs up strife. A man of wrath stirs up strife and causes transgression. No one wants to have friendship with a man given to anger. No one wants a wrathful man to be their friend. And Proverbs gives a warning about this. Proverbs warns warns the individual that would make friends with that type of individual that you may learn his ways and get entangled in, as well in that same snare. He says, make no friendship with a man given to anger. Now, I want you to consider this for a moment. If you or I are living in such a way and we have anger in our lives in such a way that it would cause God's word to warn others not to be friends with us, that's a serious problem. If our God in his word would warn people from having relationship with you and I as believers because of our anger, we are missing the mark big time when it comes to this area of anger. But that's the warning that's given here. Have no friendship with a man given to anger or a wrathful man because there might be influence for you. Proverbs 18.24 tells us that the one who wants or desires friends must show himself to be friendly. Anger isolates. It isolates in marriages, in parent-child relationships, in friendships. Sometimes these things are unintended, but what follows are the consequences to that uncontrolled anger. And so I would ask the question this morning, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it just to get out what we need to get out, to be heard on this area that we think we're right? Is it really worth it to prove ourselves worthy or right of what we wanted? Even if it would lead to isolation from family and friends and loved ones. Number four, anger is displeasing to God. Anger is displeasing to God. Now again, all of this is in the context of anger that we've already identified as not being righteous anger or anger that would be exalting to God, or anger that would be appropriate before the Lord. We're talking about that anger that would not fall into that category. Anger is displeasing to God. Psalm 37, 8, 9 says, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. Look at this, Proverbs, or Psalms 37, 8, 9. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. Sinful anger, uncontrolled anger, foolish anger tends only to evil. Is anything good going to result from our venting of our anger? It tends only to evil. James 1, 19 and 20 says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Be quick to hear. And most of the time when we vent in our anger, we are not quick to hear. Be slow to speak. Most of the time when we vent in our anger or displease God in our anger, we are not slow to speak. 
be slow to anger. Most of the time when we respond in anger and vent our anger, it's not because we've been patient before it happens. It just flows. It happens. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Sinful anger is displeasing to God. I think these are important points for us to consider this morning. I think it's important for us to understand that anger that is sinful, anger that displeases God results in these things. So I want to give us a couple points of action, three points of action when it comes to dealing with anger. First of all, anger problems must be identified. We've got to be honest about this. Anger problems must be identified. It is not enough simply to kind of nod our head and be like, yep, I struggle with that sometimes. No, anger problems must be identified. Uh, Psalm 139, 23, and 24, the psalmist prayed, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way that is everlasting. If we would be honest and ask God to search our hearts and search our minds specific in this area of anger, what would God see that he already sees? What would God reveal that he already knows? But this is quite a prayer that the psalmist gives here. So the first point of action is that we would pray this prayer, specific to the area of anger, but other areas as well, that we would say to God, God, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way that is everlasting. Anger problems must be identified. And so would you, as I need to, petition and ask of our great God that he would reveal to us the areas of sinful anger in our lives, the relationships maybe that have been severed and broken because of the sinful anger in our lives, the testimony that we should have for Christ that has been hindered because of sinful anger in our lives, that we would pray and ask God to search us. Secondly, anger must be dealt with. Must be dealt with. It's one thing to say, yeah, I got a problem there. It's one thing to say, yeah, I think that that's something that's part of my life. It's an entirely different thing to actually deal with it. Ephesians 4.31 says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Colossians 3.8 says, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Anger must be dealt with. And that may look different for every one of us that are in this room. How we go about dealing with the anger that God reveals that we need to deal with. Certainly accountability with those that would keep us accountable in regards to our anger. It may be a situation, depending on the circumstances, where counseling is needed in dealing with the sinful anger that is controlling our lives and our minds. It may be a situation where there needs to be evaluation of what needs to happen and what steps need to be taken in order to deal with sinful anger that can control us. But anger must be dealt with. Don't do nothing. It might mean that there has to be a severing of relationships that cater to that anger. It might mean there has to be a change of job or occupation because of the anger that is produced from the job or occupation we find ourselves working in. It might mean relationships have to change, friendships have to change, our environments have to change, but anger must be dealt with. And then number three, anger must be replaced. Anger must be replaced. James 1, 19 and 20 says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It's, not, it's one thing to not be pursuing 
righteousness. It's one thing to be producing something that is unrighteous. It's an entirely different thing to deal with that and then replace it with a pursuit of righteousness. It's one thing to say, man, I've been constantly giving in and venting to my anger. I've been living foolishly. It's one thing to say, man, this has been a characteristic of my life that I haven't been honoring God and I need to get rid of these things and deal with these things and rid my life of anger. It's an entirely different thing to say I need to do that, but then I need to take that next step of replacing it with a pursuit of righteousness in Christ. To replace it with patience and long-suffering. To replace it with a pursuing of peace rather than turmoil. Colossians 3, 8 to 10 says, But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. We must put these things away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth, all which seems to be wrapped up in our anger and responsiveness in our anger. And put on the new self. Put on the new self. Remove and replace. Identify it, deal with it, and replace it. Proverbs 16.32 says this. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. God's desire for his children is that we are slow to anger and self-controlled in all that we do. Might that be true of our lives as followers of Christ this week for his glory. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We're thankful for so much truth that we find in your word, God, and for the book of Proverbs that offers such timeless wisdom. I pray that you would help us to deal with this area of sinful anger that so many of us in our lives deal with. I pray that you would help us to have uh, the understanding of what needs to be identified, that we would be faithfully seeking to remove that through your power and your spirit and that we would replace it with things that are of righteousness, Lord. That we would show ourselves to be peaceable, that we would show ourselves to be friendly, that we would show ourselves as those who have a hope that is first seen and not an arrogance or a pride or a self-exaltation. Please give us the strength to deal with sinful anger. If you're here today and just with your heads bowed, eyes closed, if this is an area for you that you say, man, I struggle with anger, I really do. God's made that clear. I want to pray for you here just in the last moment that we pray. Would you slip up your hand? I want to just remember you in prayer as you put your hands up. Yeah, thanks. Yep, quite a bit of you. Yep, let me, let me pray for you. And Father, for each one that raised their hand, that this is a struggle, this is an area that they're dealing with, that they're battling. I pray specifically for each one, Lord, that, that, that identify themselves as dealing with this, that you would give them patience, that you would give them understanding, that you would help them to be slow to speak, that they would not give full vent to anger, and God, that your spirit would reveal to them these areas, and that through your word and through your spirit and through other believers, that they would have victory over dealing with this issue in their lives so that you're glorified. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness to us in Christ's name. Amen.